Some of you, many, many of us have had really good holidays over the summer, yes? Excellent. And we've noticed, we've missed you on a Sunday. We've missed you. Both Sundays I was here, I missed you. <laughs> um, and over the summer, uh, a number of people have, mess, have uh, messed us. <laughs> this could be a bad day, my brain is a bit scrambled. Um, <coughs> have left us. Now, we're to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So we're going to do that with the people that have left us. Josh and Katie Greenway. Just, this is so that you know when you're thinking, where are they? Josh and Katie Greenway, they've gone to help um, another church in our family of New Frontiers plant a church in, a, in the outlying New Cross area. Um, so they've gone there to help a church. We, we love giving away our best, so we've sent them there. Steve and Nandy, um, unfortunately La Nandy's job um, relocated, so she's had to relocate to just outside of North London. The North. <laughs> Trevor and Sandra have gone off to plant a church among homeless people down in Vauxhall. And then finally, Sharo and Lex have gone off to northern Iraq, where they will be looking to plant a church as well. So if you're wondering where these people have disappeared to, it's New Cross, north of London, Vauxhall, and Iraq. <laughs> okay, now hands up. Who wants to visit? No. <laughs> now, on top of that, the great thing about church life is we send people across the world and we receive people into the kingdom. And next Sunday at four o'clock at, at Drummond is our baptisms. So I'm going to introduce to you three of the people being baptised so you know what they look like before they get in the pool. So if Charlie, Charlotte and Robbie would like to stand up, I'm hoping you're here. Great. And then Liz, as well, will be getting baptised. That's next Sunday. Get there for four o'clock. We're going to have a great time and we're going to watch people being baptised, which is always exciting. Right. We're carrying on in our series, Being the People of God in a Post-Christian Society from 1 Peter. And we're going to read the first 12 verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to, over six weeks, we're going to go through the whole of 1 Peter chapter 1. And in the first three weeks, we're, going to, we're reading the first 12 verses. And in the um, preceding weeks, we'll read 13 to 25. Which means if you came every week, in the six weeks we go through this series, you would have heard or read 1 Peter chapter 1 three times. And if you read it together in your connect groups, that will be four times. We do believe the Bible is important and we want to try and encourage people to read it and that's why we're doing it like this. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Let's just pray. Father, we're so grateful for your presence among us as we've worshipped you. We're so grateful that you're tangible. We can feel your love. We can feel your presence. We can receive your encouragement into our hearts. We can receive your comfort. Father, I do ask that as we look at your word, you will help me to explain and us to receive the truth and the concepts we'll be talking about today. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking from verse 6. Remember, Vic did uh, chapter 1, 1 and 2. Paul last week did 3 to 5. And uh, I've got 6 to 12. And uh, verse 6 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And I want to unpack a little bit of what Peter is saying here. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that. So he starts off, in this you greatly rejoice. And he is pointing back to what he has just written and what Paul spoke about last week. He's saying, you've got tremendous promises. And he's talking about, you have a new birth. You were dead people, but God brought you alive. And now you're alive in the spirit. You understand spiritual things. You understand who God is. You are receiving spiritual truth from a spiritual God. You have been born into the spirit when you didn't know anything about it before. You've been given a living hope. There is something to look forward to. There's the hope of eternity and there's the hope as we've been singing about today, how God is with us through all of life. We have that hope living within us. We have an inheritance. We've got a great, great future ahead of us. 
And it's not one that's going to be stolen. It's not one that's going to rot and waste away. It's not one that uh, our Father in heaven is going to spend while we're here on earth and we're going to get there and say, what happened? He said, oh, I just had some great holidays. I've got a really nice car, spent it all, nothing left. No, it's not going to be like that. It is all there, stored up in heaven, kept safe by the power of God. And this inheritance has n- is not dependent on us at all. It's not been brought by us. It's come out of God's mercy for humanity. It's come out by the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And it is shielded, protected by the power of God. It's all there. And that's why when we come together on a Sunday, we are full of rejoicing. No matter what our circumstances are, we come together not to feel miserable about our circumstances, but to look to God and to see his wonder, his glory, his majesty, his power, and to dwell a little bit on the inheritance that is waiting for us when we come to the end of our lives. And it's an inheritance that we draw on as we walk through life. So Peter is saying, look, guys, when you meditate on all of that, when you've heard what is waiting for you and what God has done for you, you rejoice. It's just natural. Something good happens to you, you are pleased. You know, occasionally, in the past, one of my children will come to me uh, when they were little. We'll talk about little. And they'll say, can we have 50p? And I'll say, 30? (laughs) They'll say, 40? I'll say, 25? (laughs) And they end up with 25. Now, if I'd just walked in and said, here's 25p, it would have been, hey, great! But the fact that they've gone from 50 to 25, it's like, huh, you're a miserable old git. Could have given us a bit more. But our inheritance... It's all there, and we can rejoice in it, be glad in it. And when something good happens, you naturally rejoice. So he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Then he says this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, (coughs) When he's talking here about a little while, he is talking about the whole of your life. Okay? He's just talking about from the point of you becoming a Christian to the point you die. Now, Peter is saying that's a little while. Now, the reason he said it's a little while, it's this. Is if your life is that long, if you die at my thumb... Eternity goes on and doesn't stop. And that's why that is a little while. Because in the light of that, this is just a short time. The trouble with trials and griefs is it never feels like a short time. You only have to have toothache to know what a short time does not mean. The moment you have a toothache, this is my experience and I suspect most of us in this room, the moment you have a toothache, you cannot remember living without it. (laughs) 
And you can't ever believe that you are going to live without it. You can't remember the last time you had a hot drink and enjoyed it. Because the moment that heat hit the tooth, ah! And you've been living like this in eternity. You can't remember what it was like to eat the toothaches on this side of the mouth, what it was like to eat on this side of the mouth. Everything has been eaten by these teeth. And these teeth thinking, do we not get any food? I said, no, you are getting nothing. <laughs> it's going this side. Anything that strays over that side is going to be pulled back this side. Because you can't remember. You just, that's it. And then you pluck up the courage. You phone the dentist. And he can see you in a couple of months. No. <laughs> At which point you scream down the phone, no, this is an emergency. And he's saying, well, if you had come and seen me in the last five years, this might not have happened. <laughs> but you go. And he puts the injection in. And then he does stuff in your mouth which you don't want to talk about. And then you go home and you live with just that funny feeling in your head. And then it wears off. And then you start eating. And you suddenly think, oh, I'm eating on both sides of my mouth again. And you've no remembrance of toothache at all. Except for three days you clean your teeth very, very well and then it dries off. <laughs> we live a little bit in the toothache world. But we have this ahead of us. This ahead of us. For a little while, you may have had to suffer grief. We need to hear what Peter's saying here. Grief. Grief is overwhelming. I've, by the time I was 30, I had lost my mum, my grandparents, a couple of aunties, a couple of my cousins had been seriously ill. And you knew what grief was. A sense of loss. A sense of pain. A sense of anguish. And it would come at times like waves over you. My mum died when I was 14. I can remember walking back into our lounge at the age of 26. Walking in, I walked, walked through the door. And I was just about to say hello to my mum. Twelve years later. I'd just forgotten, hidden again. As I walked through the door, it's just, I can remember it so clear. I walked through the door, I was just about to say hello because I expected her to be there. And just the overwhelming grief again. That fills you. And Peter says, you greatly rejoice in all the promises, but there's this grief that you carry. Why? Because you've, in all kinds of, 
of trials. Now, <coughs> the, the Greek word that Peter used for trials here is unusual. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce it for you, but it's an unusual Greek word. I'll just ask you to trust me on this, but I'm right. I've read the books. And it's not the trials of um, actual deliberate persecution. When people say, you're a Christian, I'm going to smack you in the mouth. It's not that. It's not, you're a Christian, I'm just going to dislike you, and I'm going to slander you, and you're just going to be horrible. It's not, you're a Christian, I'm going to throw rocks at you. It's the trials of just being a Christian in the world we live in. And it refers back to verse 1, which Vic spoke about, in terms of being exiles and foreigners. It talks about being a foreigner in the world in which we live. Now, <coughs> I am very, very aware that I am speaking to people, many of whom know exactly what it's like to feel like a foreigner. Because England, Britain, is not your place of birth. And you know what it's like to feel a foreigner. There's the loneliness of being odd. The loneliness of having your family far away. There's the discomfort of not knowing how things work. The discomfort of saying, of someone coming to you and saying, do you want to come to tea? And thinking, I've been here long enough to know that. That could mean a cup of tea. It could mean afternoon tea. It could mean evening meal tea. Or it could be they're just unusual for England and they mean, can you come now? But shall I ask? Because will I look a wally if I ask? There's the sadness of not being at home, not, be, not being in, your, in the surroundings that are comfortable, in the surroundings where you know exactly what's happening and you, you can look out and think, yeah, I've, I've lived here and I know what this looks like. It's the discomfort of being alone in a crowd. The discomfort of standing there and everyone's chatting away and you know a little of the language but you're missing the sort of speed at which that's being spoken. You're missing the nuance, nuances of the words. You don't understand quite the jokes and the humour. And Peter is saying, you rejoice in all that you've got, but you're living in this world with that sense of grief because you're suffering because you don't belong here. You don't belong here. You're now a Christian. You now have the promises of God. You've been brought to new life. You're living a new way. The, everything's different. Your citizenship is in heaven. You're looking for something different, but you're having to live in this world. And as Vic said in the first sermon, we are chosen magnificently. But we're now foreigners in the world we live in. 
it's interesting because <coughs> I, I travel a little bit. You you do ex you experience it a little bit. There's there's nothing like <coughs> sort of to to bring you to a little bit of a shock, um, particularly in uh, West Africa where I visit, and you go and visit um, a family and they've got a few small children, and uh, you know you some of them quite small to sort of two or three years old, and you think, just like your grandchildren, you go to pick them up, and you pick them up, they take one look at you, and they just scream. <laughs> and then you say, uh, and then mum has to say, sorry, they've never seen a white face before. They're just frightened. You walk down the street, and it's interesting, at the moment, get called two names. One is Ghost, because I'm see-through. <laughs> it's just white. On the telly, any ghost is white. So <laughs> the little kid is ghost. <laughs> and the other is, <coughs> because of the spread of the Chinese, we're <laughs> driving through Guinea, and constantly people are saying, Chinese! The little kids are saying, Chinese, Chinese, because the only <laughs> light-coloured skin they saw was Chinese. <laughs> and we all look the same. <laughs> Chinese. And you, you sort of hear it, and you think, what? You know, you, you, you don't know how to act. You don't know what the customs are. And Peter says, you suffer that grief. That grief. You feel at odds with the society you live in. Is it worth it? <coughs> Peter says it is. What are these trials about? These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So first, first, your faith is proved genuine. I don't know whether you, have, whether you ever have these um, sort of experiences, but just occasionally, <coughs> something horrible will happen, and you'll be working through a trial, you'll be struggling away, and then suddenly you're thinking, I'm only in this, because I believe in Jesus. And it's a sort of shock to you. Oh, I really do believe in Jesus. I'm not just, I'm not just moving along. I really do believe in Jesus. That's great. Excellent. And you're proving it to yourself. And you're proving it to God. And then when we come through all these trials, when we come through as God's people, it will result in bringing honour and glory to Jesus. He goes on, though you have not seen him, you love him, even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And this is the odd thing. You are suffering grief walking through the world, but you are receiving inexpressible joy. You have grief and joy. And, it's, and it is that you will receive both. There's another verse that says, Blessed are those who sow in tears because they will reap in joy. And we have to recognize that there are times of grief and there are times of joy. And we are filled with joy. Filled with joy. Filled with joy because of everything that we have. And then just to finish off the, uh, 
chapter or the verses concerning this salvation the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the messiah and the glories that would follow what we've got here is the great prophets of old, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. They were writing about this Messiah who was going to come, he was going to suffer, and yet there was tremendous glory that was going to follow. He was going to be a man, and yet he was God. And they were trying to work it all out. They couldn't work it out. They said, what is this that we're writing? When's it going to happen? We don't understand it. And it was revealed to them that they were not, not writing these things for them, but for us who would come after Jesus. And we can rejoice in it all. It was revealed to them that they were serving themselves, not, them, not themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven. And even angels long to look into these things. We have received these truths. And we suffer grief and we suffer joy. And there are great angelic beings who are in heaven and they're thinking, what is all this about? Because it's not been revealed to them as it has been revealed to us. So, I have a question. How comfortable are we? How comfortable? Kwame here. Let's see here. <coughs> I did warn Kwame I was going to do this. No, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> Kwame, Kwame comes from Ghana. A couple of years ago, he married Sarah, a member of our church, and he moved from Ghana to England. That's just who he is. I think uh, was it Friday week ago, Sharon and Alexis had a going-away party, and uh, they decided to hold it in Russia Dock, Woodland, um, about five o'clock in the evening to whenever. And so it's outside in a glorious summer with the occasional grey cloud passing over. Around about half past seven in the evening, it's a lovely English summer evening of around about 17 degrees, I spot Kwame standing there. So I go to talk to him. Now what's interesting about Kwame on this beautiful summer evening of about 17 degrees is he's in shorts and rolled up sleeves. This is Kwame. Two years ago in 17 degrees he would have had a shirt, a jumper, a coat, a hat and possibly gloves on <laughs> and very long trousers as well. Why? Because his body was used to the balmy mid-30s of Ghana. And the strikingly hot summer evening of 17 degrees was like freezing to him. But in two years, his body has managed to transition from 35 degrees being reasonable to 17 degrees being reasonable. His body had adapted. Now for Kwame, that is a fantastic thing. It means he no longer has to walk around in summer with hat, coat, gloves, scarf, jumper and everything. 
That is great for Kwame. What is not great is when someone who has been given a new birth, living hope, glorious inheritance, meets with God, knows they've been transformed, and begins to walk as a foreigner now in this earth. And they begin to adapt. They begin to catch the pressure of, why do you go to church? That's a good question. Maybe I'll go less often. Why do you pray? Why do you read your Bible? Why are you so honest? No one else in the office is honest. Everyone else sneaks off early, takes stuff, lies. You won't do any of it. Why? It's true, actually. I'm suffering because if I just nick a few corners off, tell a few white lies. What? Why don't I gossip? Good question. Actually, I do know. You know the lady four, four down? That was a man speaking about a lady, not a lady talking about a lady, because I know you made assumptions then. <laughs> and you just begin to adapt back, adapt back, adapt back. And the, f- and the, good, and the good thing for you is that you suffer less grief. You suffer less grief. You feel more at home. You feel more comfortable. Life becomes a little bit easier. But Peter says, in this you rejoice in your promises, though now for a little while, a little while, you suffer grief. A little while. And he goes on in the rest of the chapter, say it's worth it. Suffer that grief. Suffer that grief. Suffer that pain. Suffer that sense of loss. Suffer that sense of dislocation. Because you've got the rest to follow. And that is so much greater than what you've got. I'd like us to stand. And I would like to pray for two two groups of people. I would like to pray if during, as I've been speaking, you've just begun to realise, actually I'm adapting. I've had enough, I had enough of this grief, I'm adapting, I'm just getting used to living in the world again. I'm just feeling comfortable. And I know that I used to feel more uncomfortable, but I don't, I don't feel that now, I feel I feel, I feel at home when you should be feeling like you're a foreigner. <coughs> and then I'd like to pray for those who feel the pain of the grief is overwhelming because you're not receiving the inexplicable joy of receiving all the promises in which you rejoice. Does that make sense? What I'm going to ask you to do is if you feel like you've just adapted to the world, I'd like you to come down to the front on this side. And if you feel 
the grief is overwhelming, I'd like you to come down on this side and I would love you to do it now. It's going to take some courage. Courageous have stepped forward, now let the bold come. If you're on this side of the room, I'd like you to stretch out your hand and I'd like you to pray for these guys at the front that they would know um, a, a, a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit of the grace and mercy and compassion of God and a fresh revelation of the inheritance that is waiting for them. And if you're on this side of the room, I'd like you to pray for grace and healing and joy. Okay? And then I will pray. And then have asked the ministry team to come forward and pray for people. Um, so I hope they're ready. Let's pray. So all together, if you're visiting, please feel free to miss it out. But if you're part of City Hope, just all cry out together for this side and for this side. Come, Lord. Sierra bondola kira kakara bandala kira siando lorbondo bara 